You're listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast, a show where introverts share their success and failure stories and discuss how they thrive in the digital age. I'm your host, Godwin Chan. Let's begin. Episode 8 of the Digital Introverts Podcast features Nina Penner. She's the founder of Blue Helium Consulting, a leadership development firm specializing in supporting organizations to develop their leaders. She's a highly knowledgeable coach, consultant, facilitator, and a speaker who has traveled the world sharing her deep knowledge and insights. Nina supports strategic business partners to establish their leadership development functions and has helped hundreds of leaders and executives to deeply understand their leadership profiles, make genuine transformation, and perform at their best. Let's jump right into it. Great. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Introverts Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Godwin, and today we have Nina Penner, who is our guest. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Godwin. Thank you for having me here. Great. So, you know, just to get started, I think that it would be interesting, you know, for the audience to get an idea of your opinion, I guess, on what it means to be an introvert in this day and age specifically, in the digital age, if you will. In the digital age, wow. So um, it's actually quite interesting. I, I see, I see some, some different things happening from different people. So I can tell you what it means for me. For me, it actually, if I compare it to, for instance, um, networking in, in, an, in, in the environment before we had the digital age, Networking would be, you know, you go, you go to a networking event and you need to meet people in the room. And for me, um, although I was an entertainer for a lot of my life in, in the performing arts, and so I was pretty consistent with being able to perform for a lot of people, being put into a room where I, I needed to actually circulate in the room and talk to people and, and walk up to strangers, that, that for me was really tough. And I found it really awkward. But I find that in the digital age where I'm able to sort of block out all the noise of it and just connect with people one at a time on social media, I find that quite comfortable. That, that's easier. I, I find that I do better with one-to-one conversations. And so I'm able to sort of seek those out with digital media. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, for, your, for yourself, it is interesting because you've seen both sides and how the transformation has become you know essentially from what it was before like a lot of a lot of in-person you know networking a lot of phone calls i can i can imagine back then you know to now it's just with you know the advent of a lot of new different communication tools actually right and of course we're we're doing this through video conferencing this is as close uh, you know as we can get to in person without actually being in person it's just it's dependent on the strength of each other's internet connection and um and and some other technology technological factors but this is close enough and then we have of course email we still have snail mail (laughs) yeah Uh, we uh what do we have we have workplace communication tools like slack and a bunch of other messaging tools as well right and i think that those are I think in a way it's easier because there is not a immediacy in terms of, oh, I have to respond right away because you can't you can imagine if you're you know trying to simulate a you know slack messages in real life, say for example, you, you yeah. can't really do that. <laughs> uh, you know you can't really read something or listen to what some, someone says and 
uh, just actively ignore them <laughs> because they're right there. You can't exactly. really. Exactly. No. Right? So. That's right. No, and I found that when, you know, when I was interacting with email, I still do in the workplace, one of the things that I learned from a leader a long time ago, which, which I still use today and which is so useful is, is for emails, is create a draft and look at it later if it's a really important topic or if it's something that has you in some way emotionally charged. Um, and I've found that that has really um, served me over the years, especially with the emotionally charged one, is just create the draft. If, if possible, wait until the next morning and then reread it. And wow, what, what, what a difference it, the new view of the new day can sometimes bring. And so, yeah, it, it's, it, it makes it easier to be able to not have to respond in the moment. But, and that's, that's the in-person thing, right? You have to have that savvy and that capacity to be able to maneuver that conversation in the moment in person. Right. And that is still an art form, really, because, you know, it's, it's highly dependent on the context of the situation, it depends on whoever you're interacting with and, and things like that. And, and that's a very, very good tip, actually, uh, to, you know, especially with um, email or any other messages, really, that contain those emotionally charged parts to it is to, you know, just compose it, just wait, and, and you know, and, and come back to it at a later time to see if, you know, there are some revisions that may be needed or tone down, you know, a lot of the language that might be used or, or that may con- convey a more maybe aggressive tone than you may want or, or things like that and that to me i think is very analogous to making a purchase in terms of just put it in your cart <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't buy it yet come back to it the next day and then ask yourself is this an essential purchase right? absolutely and, and, and that's what i've done <laughs> with a um with a few Amazon things, actually. <laughs> even in my cart and come back to it the next day. And that, that's what e- happened uh, even today. I was, I was about to um, purchase a couple of books, actually. And then I, I, you know, I, I kept it in my cart for a week, actually. <laughs> I came back to it today. And I, and I asked myself, is this really worth it? And at the end, it was like, no, not really. It's just there are a couple of books I, I can maybe, you know, save for later or even check out from the local library or things like that, right? So I just... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I it from the cart, so... My sister said that she actually forces her to sell, herself to do that with every single order, is put it in her cart, wait, not, not click submit, and just go back to it. And she said nine times out of 10, she's taking half of it away. So... There, there's, a, there's a huge money-saving tip <laughs> for everyone yep. there. Yep. <laughs> Um, I think the important thing too is though, we need to remember that although it makes it easier for us now to communicate in an online digital sense, if we want our relationships to be rich and to be fulfilled and to progress, we do need to take them offline. Um, and, And so I think we need to be mindful of, you know, although there is a bit of sense of we can sort of hide behind the, the technology at the beginning of a relationship. Um, I think that's where some people do struggle is that, especially as, as an introvert, is it allows you to, to, to reach out. It allows you to make those connections more easily because you don't have the awkwardness of I just walked into a room and I don't know anyone. Um, but you still have to have that capacity to be able to take those relationships offline. And so I think one of the things actually that I learned when I was in acting school, when I first started to learn to act, one of the things we did was we used what was called sides. And what that is, is it, it's a script with all of the other person's lines blacked out. And so you're, you're rehearsing or, or you know, learning your, your, your memorizing your lines without actually knowing what the other person is going to say. 
And the reason they do that is to teach you to listen. So you're not anticipating, I know what he's going to say because this is a script. You actually don't know what he's going to say. And so you, you need to know your lines, but you also don't know the context of how you'll be reacting using your line. And I actually found that really, really good to help me to learn to listen. Because as an introvert, that's the one thing that you know, I was doing was in an uncomfortable situation with a brand new person who I don't know, I would have been thinking about what am I going to say next? And am I going to sound smart enough? And am I going to know the right thing to say? And all of those things. And so you know, working with the sides really helped me to just settle down and just be in the moment and listen to what is actually being said to me. And that's really, really helpful for, for building those relationships. Right. You know, and there are a, a couple of things you said there that, are, um, that I do want to comment on. You know, first, first thing, of course, is that building those rich relationships is the goal. Of, you know, to me, you know, online connections are interesting. They're fascinating. Of course, it, it you know, makes the barrier to entry much lower for introverts in making new connections, right? And it's just a you know, simple you know, click of a button say we want to connect or it's a simple message saying hi you know i'm such and such you know let's let's connect right yeah and, and things like that but what has always been important to me is that you know eventually at least with your closest connections you want to bring it offline of course whether that's through you know a simple telephone call or even you know a a video uh called chat or, or chat or or you know best way is one-on-one -on -one in person <laughs> meeting somewhere yeah. and I, I usually find myself in a Starbucks for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but in, any, in any case, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I try to try uh, as many kind of unique coffee shops as possible just to, <laughs> just to support the independence, right? But it's just, it's, you know, sometimes it's just Starbucks, Starbucks. But anyways, <laughs> I digress. But that's important, right? And, in, you know, in terms of really connecting with one another on a, on a deeper level, and there's no real substitute for that even as we get more technologically advanced as a species mm -hmm. right and because we're wired or hardwired as social creatures and you know we're made to live in communities right and, and that's yeah. how we all cumulatively survive you know we're not like wolves where we can just go out on our own <laughs> exactly and so so that's yeah that's, that's one thing of course we're you know doing a lot of that work through uh, because we both uh, work for an organization called Discover Your Personal Brand, or DYPB for short. So we do a lot of these events called LinkedIn Locals, where we you know, bring a lot of uh, people from our collective networks from uh, the LinkedIn community here in the Toronto area, actually. That's where we're uh, both from. And to, you know, just, just to uh, meet up in person, to make new connections, to, you know, make deeper connections, really, with the with uh, pre-existing connections. Wow, that's a lot of connections. Pre-existing relationships. <laughs> or deeper relationships with pre-existing connections. There we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I actually forgot my second point. But anyways, yeah, no, it's uh, it's important. But yeah. And, and, yeah. I had talked about the sides with, with uh, acting, and maybe that was what you had to a comment about i don't know yes i don't remember but this That's is okay this is the, this is the beauty of uh <laughs> of being a conversation an unscripted conversation is that these things kind of happen and yeah. uh but in but in any case oh the other comment i was going to make was that uh, See, there it is <laughs> uh, no, no yeah <laughs> it uh it's interesting because now it's easier than ever before to make connections overseas actually oh yes yes you can easily meet people from other countries, right? And yeah. And, you know, and it's, it's been proven to be a very useful medium, a cultural exchange, actually. 100%. In, in, in that yeah. way. And, you know, even, even with 
let's say the cultures, if you will, of, of Canada and the U.S., right? Although they're highly similar, there are some notable notable differences. You know, one thing being that if we use the metric system, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it helps with that. And of course, my my goal with even the uh, the connections I make, you know, from with people from different countries is that you know my goal is always to at least meet up with them in, once in person to help you know hopefully to further the relationships there. Right. And, and there's also a side benefit to having many friends around the world as well, because you can always crash at their place. You bet. <laughs> when you're trying, when you're visiting them, right? So you don't have to pay for a hotel. There you go. Or an yep. Airbnb. There you go. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, life hack for you. <laughs> yeah. That's You get to experience the local culture that way much easier. Right. Yeah, it. That, I think that's fantastic. And then, and then they know they have somewhere to stay when they come here. So yeah. I, I love that exchange. Yeah. And I think that I find it fascinating to even coordinate and, and communicate with people from around the world who speak the same language as me. Obviously, that's the only way I can because I speak only English. But I, I just find that fascinating how we phrase things differently or they we we frame things differently and we're using the same language but yet you know there's i i love the way that there's that connection because we're we 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 understand each other um but then there are are differences and i i'm fascinated with those differences and it's the same thing with the cultures that we do things differently so i learn things um just about people's everyday life by being connected with people from other parts of the world you learn things you never thought you, you didn't even imagine where differences and uh and the yeah, same right. thing exactly. reverse right you you see things that are very much the same that it never occurred to you that you were you were so much the same so i think that's fascinating i love it right for sure definitely and you know i i noticed this you know especially with you know my connections of course in, in the u.s and the uk and and in australia australia too it's just we all speak the same language more or less but of yeah. course there are there are tiny differences but also more importantly, there are there's a difference in mindset I think between you know these different nations and yeah it, it's really it's really interesting to learn how we do things differently mm-hmm. uh, through those mediums of exchange you know of course the most obvious one being the accent but in any case you no know, you know it, it's really interesting and of course actually the one di- downside about <laughs> uh, speaking to people from different countries is sometimes the the time zones can get a little wacky especially oh, yeah. with my Australia. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's either in very early morning or very late at night. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I mentor somebody in Indonesia and that's the exact challenge. Because yes. it's either, yeah, like I, we're, we're 12 hours apart. So yeah. it's, exactly. that's and, and that's the challenge for me with, if I ever want to get in contact with my family back in China, actually, because the majority of my, of my family is, um, is it you know is back in china it's like you know i, I you know there's hard. It, it's hard to connect sometimes just because just because of the time difference but yeah you know, we, we sometimes have to make it work right yeah. <laughs> and, you, just like you, that. you mentioned about different accents what i'm fascinated with is how we all sing in the same accent yes we all we, <laughs> no no there's a there's a reason for that and yeah there is i don't i don't remember but you know the exact scientific reason for that but there's you know is a reason why yeah we all sing in basically an american accent <laughs> yeah yeah i know really weird is it because you know we want to emulate you know who we look up to or I'm not no sure. it has to do with um how we form vowels and how they're able to be sung yeah and it's much easier to i guess sing in the in, in the American accent. 
Yeah, it's it's the way the shape. It's the the, the way your your mouth shapes when you yeah. when yeah. you sing the vowels, um, and then where that sound is put inside your head. So right. we all end up sounding the same when we sing. <laughs> and I think that's cool. And that's, and that's the beauty because, of course, music is a universal language, right? So yeah, yeah, I think that's cool. I guess, and I guess that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. I guess like you know, we we of course talked about this before, right? In terms of you know, of course, you've had a very multifaceted career. From, <laughs> yeah. You know, from from the performing arts to the corporate world to now in, you know, having your own consulting thing. And it's just, you know, what do you see? Of course, you, you've experienced each of these different types of careers. And, and what was your experience like, you know, being an introvert in, in all these different kinds of fields? Oh, well, if I think about my first career, which was the performing arts, I absolutely lived to be on the stage. I just loved it. And that was right from when I was like, I five, <laughs> like I took dance lessons when I was five. I hated it. I quit and I started again when I was eight and then I never stopped again. But I absolutely loved performing. I loved the music. I loved all of it. But I was painfully shy. I, I actually not that long ago ran across some old, old, old report cards because my mother was one of those mothers who kept everything. And she gave me this, <laughs> you're right, she gave me this box and the box had in it all kinds of old school stuff. And it was, there were report cards in there. And I just, it didn't mean as much to me. So I just kept the box and like never opened the box. So it wasn't, I'd say a couple of years ago, I finally opened that box and started to go through it. and. Um, I found some things in there like report cards and stuff. And it was fascinating because what I saw was that a few of the report cards, like between like grade one and grade four or five, there were repeated comments from teachers that I was, that I separated myself from the other children, that they didn't integrate, that I was, one teacher even said I was antisocial. And so looking back on that now, I remember how I felt then. I was so shy, but I loved to perform. And so for me, it was like sort of two worlds. It was the world of Nina, the introvert. And then there was the world of being on stage and performing. But I think that was how the introvert in me was able to express myself. I wasn't able to express myself as easily speaking, like one-on-one, speaking to other people, integrating in, you know, my class activities. I was, I, I spoke through, through performing. And so that's how I was able to express myself. And it was actually, when I was, when I started working in the business world, I was still really, really shy. And I found myself up in front of a, a a panel of executives one day presenting and I was there with my leader and uh, I did this presentation and I do remember my knees were shaking. I was so nervous and my mouth was dry, like all of those things that happen when you're, you're nervous in front of a group of people. And uh, my leader said to me, you got it. Like once the meeting was done, he said, you got to get this under control if you're going to be a success because this role that you have requires a lot of presentation. And so I, I went to Toastmasters and I learned how to speak in front of people. And, uh, and what I found out was it was an interesting situation because there were 18 people in this Toastmasters class and we had to stand up and speak for five minutes about anything we chose. And there were 18 strangers and, and one person I knew because my leader actually 
said he'd come to the class with me because I didn't even want to go because I said I won't know anybody there. So um, when they asked, the, the, the teacher asked, who wants to go first? My hand just shot up because I was so nervous about doing it that I thought I can't sit here through 18 people and wait. So I got to go first. And I went first and I was, I was just shaking. Like my palms were sweaty and I could feel my body shaking and I was so nervous. And when I was done, the class just broke out in like crazy clapping and they were cheering and they were saying, you were, that was so amazing. Why are you even here? Like, you're so good. And in that moment, I realized they can't see it. They didn't see what I felt. They didn't see my pant legs shaking. They didn't see my sweaty palms. They didn't see how dry my mouth was and how awkward I felt. And that very moment for me actually turned it around. I was no longer ever nervous to speak in front of people again. I was no longer ever nervous to engage in conversation because I realized they can't see my awkwardness. And that just, that, that did it for me. It was like, it would happen in a moment. So I'm still an introvert. I still prefer one-to-one -one conversations. I still feel kind of awkward and strange when I have to walk into a room full of strangers, but I can walk in with the confident person that I am because I recognize that they can't see that awkwardness that I feel. And so it, it really did change things for me. And that's very interesting because I've had kind of similar experience of being very terrible at doing presentations <laughs> or, or doing any kind of public speaking for that matter when I was when I was younger. And of course, you know, the turning point for me was auditioning to be high school valedictorian. Right? That oh, okay. And, and that to me was just, you know, and, and instead of being in Toastmasters and, and being in front of 18 people, which was more a controlled environment, <laughs> I guess I was up in, in front of my entire graduating class, plus, plus all the, uh, all the teachers and, and, and a bunch yeah. of other people, it was about 200, 250 people. Wow. And, and so I, I, you know, and, and I auditioned on a whim because at the end of high school, I was much better, actually, I, I'm much more comfortable with doing presentations. Although, of course, I still got all the uh, physiological symptoms of fight or flight, as in like, I want to throw up and I want to, yeah. <laughs> right, not do this thing, but promise myself, I made a challenge that, you know, why not just, you know, leave high school in a good impression, just try to conquer my fear this one time. And even if, even if I, if I completely mess up, it's not, this was my thought process at the time. Even if I mess up terribly, it's not like like I'm going to see uh, two thirds of these people ever again. <laughs> yeah, uh, that to say, but it's just that that was the reality. And so it doesn't didn't really matter at the end of the day. But I did it, and you know, people seemed to enjoy it because it was a very honest speech that I delivered. I was, you know, instead of the regular kind of platitudes about oh, let's chase our dreams after high school, blah blah blah. You know, all those all those cliche kind of uplifting kind of phrases. I was more yeah. like. You know, to be very honest, I shouldn't be up here. And, you know, I'm not that, you know, the typical valedictorian who's good at everything, played three sports and did five extracurricular activities and still got straight A's kind of person, right? Who yeah. usually becomes valedictorian. I'm, I was rather someone, you know, who would rather not be in, you know, from the stage, but I wanted to kind of show or be an inspiration to people to say, hey, people who you, you may, may not be comfortable with being this public can actually do this, uh, can actually do public speaking. And after that, that was my turning moment, right? And that was my turning point in terms of now presentations don't, don't phase me anymore. In, yeah. In terms of, you know, I, in terms of, no, I don't want to do this or I want to run away from this. It's rather 
oh, I want to do this. I want to share my message and, yeah. and things like that. So it's, uh, it's interesting how these parallels played out, <laughs> um, yeah. both of us in, in, in different contexts, but nevertheless, it was, uh, it's interesting. And I know that, and for even, you know, introverts, a lot of introverts are very, actually very good public speakers. Yeah, right? and, it's true. And, and, and performers, like a lot of yeah, them are yeah. really, really introverted and yet they're fantastic performers. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, you know, in your experience, do, doing a lot of presentations, you know, I can imagine, right through your work, how is that like? Is is it is there, there a lot of preparation that goes into it? I can imagine there is, right? And, and on the day of kind of delivering a presentation, how does that feel like? Is, do you still get those fight or flight symptoms or do you, you know, keep it under control? How is that experience like, you know, from behind the scenes? No, it's interesting. I don't, I don't feel, I don't ever feel nerves. And it, I think... What happened with me was when I was younger and I would get on the stage and I would dance. That was my world. That was like I was in my comfort zone. I could dance for thousands of people. I danced on television and in films and it it wasn't it was like I was completely comfortable doing that. It was opening my mouth to talk in front of people that was a problem. And I I think for me it was like I could I could act too, but acting was scripted. So I think it had to do with whether something was planned out or whether it wasn't like when you're dancing, every single move is choreographed. When you're acting, there's a script. So you know exactly what you're supposed to do in front of those people. But when you're presenting, it's, it's looser. You know what you're supposed to talk about, but it's not completely scripted. And I think that for me, I had to make that sort of shift between I've got everything planned out and, 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 you know, scripted and that's okay. And I feel comfortable about that to, I don't have everything planned out and scripted, but I know what I'm talking about and, and I can do that. And so I think that once I was able to kind of get over that hurdle of soothing myself, that it's okay, that it's not all scripted, then I was able to actually tap in to all of the years of profession as a performer. So all that I learned to do before I went on a stage to not feel nervous, I was able then to transfer over to presentations and facilitation and speaking and all of the things that I do now so that it doesn't matter to me anymore how big my audience is or who import, how important they, they are. I don't feel that nervousness because I'm just able to apply the techniques that I used, like in my entire performing career, I just, instead of, instead of getting ready to go on stage, I'm getting ready to do a speech or I'm getting ready to do a present presentation or to facilitate. Sure. There's preparation. I need to know what I'm talking about. I need to be ready with what I'm going to do. If I have a slideshow, I need to know what I'm supposed to say when a certain slide comes up, but I don't, I, I'm able to do whatever it is, and I'm doing it subconsciously. I'm not even consciously think about, thinking about, here's what I need to do so I'm not nervous. It's just happening. So I find, it, for me, actually, if I get nervous, which is so rare, but it, and it comes as, as such a shock when it comes, and it usually comes when I'm actually already started what I'm going to do. It doesn't come, like if I do a speech, it doesn't come before I get on the stage. It comes when I'm already in the speech. And when it hits me, it hits me like, like a tidal wave. Like it's like a big shock because I'm not used to that feeling. And then when it does hit me, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with it because whatever it is I do 
comes so second nature that I'm not consciously preparing anymore. I'm not consciously getting ready for the nerves. So I'm not used to them. That's really interesting because I assume for most people, including myself, you know, I get the nerves before I, I go out and, and do a presentation or, or, you know, yeah. or whatever. But once I'm in, in presentation mode, it's smooth sailing from there, essentially. Yeah, um, I know. That's <laughs> I know, it's strange. And I think it might happen because it's some sort of realization that happens in the moment, like, oh, I'm up here. Oh, whoa, wait, they're all looking. What if I forget what, what if I forget what I'm supposed to say or whatever it is? I think it just hits me in the moment because I'm so not I'm so used to not getting nervous ahead of time that and I'm so calm ahead of time that it, it hits me every now and then. And it and it has it does it it also has no context. It doesn't matter whether it's a small room full of people, a larger room, whether it's a, it's a more important situation for me or not. It just, it just every now and then hits. But when it does, I'm able to get rid of it really quickly too. Because whatever that subconscious thing is that happens to prepare me kicks in really, really fast because I am practiced at it. But uh, when it hits me, I'm really, I'm really not sure what to do because I'm not used to having to deal with that. Mm -hmm, for sure. You know, and that's interesting because, I mean, of course, you do do a lot of workshop facilitations, right, in, in, yeah. in your line of work currently. And that must be hard, honestly. <laughs> have that kind of feeling come up in the middle of your presentation and to... Uh, yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm like, I feel fortunate that what, whatever's happening happens subconsciously. So I, I actually couldn't tell you what it is, but it happens really quickly. And I think it just to get over it and get past it. And I think it's just because I've had such a long ramp up of, of preparation to do that sort of work. I mean, I was on stage when I was a kid. So I think that I've, uh, my brain is probably very quickly making whatever transformations need to happen to quell that and keep me going. Right, for sure. And I think that it's really your body's defense mechanism, I guess, in, in, in a way, yeah. right, to, yeah. to combat that. Of course, it, it's probably learned, you're ingrained yeah. at a young age through, you know, your, your experience in the performing arts. So I'm glad that yeah. that's happening. <laughs> yeah. For, for your sake, right? So You know, I, I like what you said about your valedictorian thing and how you actually sort of challenged yourself to do that because I think that that's another element that's really important in talking about people who are introverts because there's another piece that I think can dictate whether they're sort of crippled by their introversion to the point where it's really really hard to push themselves to um to interact with other people or whether they're able to do that I think for you what what I'm what I've heard is that you, you want to push yourself through it. You want to sort of discover ways that you can stretch yourself or challenge yourself sure. into those sort of uncomfortable situations, right? For sure. And that, and that to me is, came about by kind of years and years of gradual changes in mindset, really. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the day that I realized that I can harness introversion as a strength rather than seen as a weakness, that's what was uh, liber you know, liberating to me that, oh, so, you know, so what if we enjoy our alone time? We can use that to harness our creativity or, you know, create new and, and you know, strange and wonderful things that haven't been, you know, created in, in the world before and, and that we can, you know, make an impact. And, you know, and that 
you know, it shouldn't be looked at as a liability or even a disease. You know, <laughs> I've, no, you know, it, because I've gotten a lot of comments such as get out of your shell, just talk more and, and things like that. But, you know, those are not exactly the most helpful just because yeah. they're more like band-aid solutions more than anything, right? Talking more for the sake of what, right? Just the, for the sake of talking more <laughs> or you know is there a way to hone in on the ideal environment where introverts are most most comfortable in and then they'll just naturally talk more anyway right well yeah but also who decided that talking more is the better way right and and right. And, that, and that's the thing right who's you know said that western society should be based on the extrovert ideal or extrovert standard right so exactly yes it's interesting and it's you know worthy of discussion but at the end of the day right yes there are a lot of introverts who really unfortunately accept, accept the standard quo in terms of oh you know, i'm an introvert i don't like to talk to many people and then i'm just going to stay this way and that to me is not a very healthy mindset just because um i think life is a series of evolutions and a series of opportunities to grow to to change and, and to push yourself to your limits right and that you know as evidenced through my valedictorian speech even though to me that's a very minor thing right for for me like of course you know one of my future goals is to you know speak to thousands of people and you know in front of a huge audience right that that is something that i do want to challenge myself to do in the future um and you know among you know other things that i want to try more you know stereotypically extrovert things just because it's fun. It's interesting. It's new. It pushes me outside of my comfort zone, pushes me to, you know, learn new things to be uncomfortable at times. But you know, even if you fail at them, or even if you, you know, face a setback or, any, or anything, again, these are all opportunities to reflect, to learn and to grow from our you know, mistakes and our shortcomings. And I think that that really is the journey of life, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and what you just described so eloquently is the growth mindset. So that's something that researcher Carol Dweck discovered by her work with, with children is that, you know, some of us have a fixed mindset and think that we are what we are and we're not going to change. And, and there's others who feel that we can always learn and grow and change. And so you just described that like quite eloquently. And I think that that, that makes the difference between those, those introverts who, who, are, who, who struggle because they're an introvert because they're, they're afraid to do that change. They're afraid to grow and learn. They're afraid to take that step into the uncomfortable or unknown because they don't see the connection between doing that and a favorable outcome because they don't recognize that, that you can change, that you can grow. Um, and so I think it's harder for people like that who have fixed mindsets and in addition to that are introverts because it's just really hard for them to reach out into into community. And, and unfortunately, some of them end up feeling sort of isolated because they, they are by themselves. Just because we're introverts doesn't mean that we don't want to be in community because we're humans. That's how we were built. So, you know, we do want to be in community, but it's harder for some people because they don't have that sort of growth mindset that you have where they're going to challenge themselves. Right. And, and, and you make a very interesting point, you know, in terms of, you know, one, I think one way to mitigate this issue specifically is that honestly everyone on this planet has a community at least one community that they know that they can connect with a lot or they you know, they can make you know deep meaningful connections and really it's about kind of discover you know for everyone to discover their own community or their own tribe of sorts where like you know where they can freely express themselves without fear of 
you know, judgment or, or, or any of that sort of thing. And it's just, that's, that, that's what I want to encourage um, introverts out there who may not feel kind of, you know, empowered to reach out to, you know, to others or who may, you know, just end up in their own little world because that, I, I've had, I've done that a lot actually in mm. my younger years where I lived inside of my head a lot. Right. Yeah. And that's good. Uh, in terms of reflection, introspection, and, and processing information, that's fine. But to a certain extent, and, and you know, kind of beyond that, it becomes you feel detached again from from society, and you feel yeah. disenfranchised in a way, because yeah. then it's just you know you alone with your thoughts. And even though you may be surrounded by a lot of different people, right? Especially if you live in the city, right? Mm-hmm. And you may you can very much feel prone to loneliness actually and it may you know can actually lead to um you know some symptoms of you know maybe anxiety and even depression in some instances you know i encourage you to everyone who's listening out there to even just to start small even right just to you know reach out to a close friend of yours or if you know or a family member or something right just uh try to you know have a deeper conversation at least one right deeper conversation in terms of you know you know more than just hey how are you doing what's the weather and and the one question i <laughs> actually don't uh, dislike the most is so what do you do <laughs> mm. just because you know so what what do you do i can show them with my linkedin profile for example <laughs> yeah or or, or something like that and it's just yes it's important to understand what people do but at the same time, it's just, it's a very kind of entry-level question. And that's where uh, Jan Keck's connection cards come in. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me questions cards, um, yeah. you know, and you'll hear about uh, Jan's story in a different episode, actually, of this podcast. Uh, but in any case, that's what I encourage uh, a lot of people to do. Just reach out to just one person, right? And, and encourage you, or challenge you to share a deeper conversation this week, right? Just, just try it once and you see the way that it will... Um, kind of transform your relationship with that person you much be much closer right with that individual and then you can start replicating that process with other individuals and, and other individuals and you know recently i had the great pleasure of speaking or catching up with one of my closest friends who's in who's currently in law school actually and mm-hmm. uh, so he's in law school he's also a sports announcer so he announces you know sports for university or varsity level sports in, in university actually yeah. University of Ottawa and he's actually also trained as a classical pianist so you know he's also very multifaceted so he you know he he and I go way back and you'll actually hear about him in a different episode as well nice. <laughs> of the podcast. so um in any case you know we recently had a nine and a half hour long conversation over zoom actually wow that and- is a record yes that to me I've said a new ah. record myself, <laughs> right yes <laughs> you should contact Zoom and see if it's their longest conversation. You should get some kind of award. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it it was more like eight hours, but you know, we had you had problems with the internet connection, but then we just finished it through phone. But in, in any case, that wow. was that was an absolute record for for me in terms of a conversation, yeah, an individual one on one conversation. It was just it, yes, it helped because we got we went way back, but it, it was also it also helped because you know we had a lot of things to talk about you know in terms of of course we in the beginning of that meeting we actually did our podcast recording but uh after that it was just more like general catching up and then you know a lot of deep sharing about you know our thoughts and feelings on on you know certain things throughout our lives and, and you know how we can edify each other and build each other up and you know how we can support each other in our in our own journeys and just and of course a lot of just you know casual talk <laughs> as well yeah. no i love uh, that 
So that was, yeah, that was a record. And I mean, my, my previous record for the longest conversation, I mean, yes, I've had, I've had a few deep chats, if you will, back in, back in university, actually, with my, uh, with some of my friends. Like, I remember one time when <laughs> there was just, you know, me and a couple of friends who actually stayed up all night in their, in their dorm room, <laughs> just chatting. Oh, yeah. You know, there are some, there are some of those too, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's just, yeah. just about, you know, not, not only just about school stuff, but just everything, really, just any, everything and anything, just no filter, right? Yeah. So, I actually two, had, I actually recently, recently had a, probably about four or five months ago, I had a seven and a half hour phone conversation with a friend. It was like on a weeknight and we just, her and I do that though. Like it's never been seven and a half hours before, but we'll go on for hours. And uh, it was on a weeknight and it was about like quarter to three in the morning. And she said, I, I don't want to do this, but I think I have to do this. It's like, I got to get up at 6.30, so I think I should go to bed. <laughs> and then I felt like so bad because I didn't realize. <laughs> right, and, and, that, and that's the thing. Time actually flies by. Right? Yeah, yeah, you bet. When you're just, we're just immersed in, in, in one conversation and then you can go on and on and on. And, and yeah. you know, and then that, <laughs> at a certain point, one person will have to interrupt and say, I got to go now. <laughs> yeah, is that, is that, absolutely. You know, you don't have to be you know, have conversations that long <laughs> to everyone who's listening out there, but it's just, you will reach a point where you will have these very enlightening conversations and sometimes even life altering, you know, in the way that it will, it can shift your perspective on things. And yeah, yeah you know, though, these are, you know, the types of conversations that uh, are very much needed in this age and the age of digital age. Yes. It, you know, I, I, I liken it to, it's an augment for in-person relationships. That's what I treat all our online tools to connect as with, you know, it's an augment. You can connect, you know, outside of working hours or, you know, outside of just that one hour in the coffee shop or, or things like that. Yeah. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, right. It, it, and this is, you know, important test of kind of seeing how many important connections you have is if you ask yourself, you know, and be very honest to yourself, how many of your connections or relationships that, you know, or people you know, who you can absolutely contact in the case of an emergency, and they will show up, you know, right there and then uh, yeah. with no strings attached. Those are the real, you know, uh, relationships that are unshakable or unbreakable. Yeah, right? absolutely. So I encourage everyone to, you know, mull over this exercise and um, see how many you have and, you know, and, and always try to build more of these. Right, kind of selfless uh, or very deep uh, relationships that you know people will help help you uh, without expecting anything in return. And how many would you do that for? Yes, that 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 also the other need, question. Right? Yeah, right. Because yeah, because you need to be that person who who cares about others and who supports others. So I think you ask yourself that question too. Yes, that's that's the uh, that's the other side of the coin, actually. Yeah. Those, yeah. those two questions are important. Yes, of, you know, of course, um, you can't really, <laughs> you know, help your, your friend in Australia with the uh, bushfires, right? So no. there, there's, there, you know, of course, in your immediate vicinity. <laughs> that, yeah. you know, that's what I mean by the, by the questions, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting because technology has afforded us so, such fascinating capabilities. If you think about, you know, like when I was young, we had the telephone. And that's it. So we could talk to people on the phone and it was a fortune to do. And, you know, you'd have a parent in the background saying, okay, hurry up, hurry up. It's like a gazillion dollars a minute. And it was, it really was. And you had to like really, really be careful. 
And anybody who lived long distance, I actually listened to a, a TED talk the other day, and it was this guy that he was talking about him and his twin brother who lived far, far away. And they had this thing where once a week they would talk to each other for five minutes. And then when it was their birthday, they would allow 10 minutes because that was a special event because they both had the same birthday because they were twins. So, you know, I remember those days when like talking on the phone long distance for a five minutes was a fortune. So we had those restrictions and you couldn't see the other person face, the person's face. And now we have this wonderful technology and we can be on Zoom calls or we can, you know, talk to somebody on Skype or we can iMessage somebody. Like there's all these different ways that we can actually talk to people from around the world and, you know, be able to see them. And it's, it's almost as good as talking live and there's no time restriction. <laughs> so it's, it's awesome. Like I, I have family who lives in other places and, and it's, it's so amazing to be able to do that, to not have to restrict that because those relationships then get restricted because there's no time to have those deep conversations. So I think that's wonderful is that not only can we connect with people all over the world, but when we have loved ones and friends and people we care about who are far away in the world, we can still keep a deep connection with them because we can still talk to them for as long as we want and we can see their faces. And I think that, that that's an amazing thing that technology has done for us. Oh, yes, that, that, that is uh, also a huge benefit. Right in, in this day and age, being able to maintain those those deep connections with your with your loved ones, even though they may be living on the other side of the world, um, yeah. you, you know, and may have more more shoddy internet connection, but it, it, <laughs> it's 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 the same you know kind of deal, right? And uh, I think that's wonderful, and that's that's obviously a great advantage. Yeah, right? like if you think about children growing, like I have a nephew who lives far enough away, not too far but far enough away that I'm only going to see him in, in the summertime and maybe at Christmas break. Some years I do, some years I don't. So that's an example of I get to maintain a relationship with him. He moved away when he was four years old. So back when I was a child, people who moved away when they were four years old, they just wouldn't know those people at the other end. That, that would be strangers to them. Whereas with him, because of technology, we have a very close relationship. We talk a lot. We share a lot. I'm watching his growing process because we're able to do that. We just, we just can see each other's face. And that's such a big thing for a kid, right? To connect the face with that voice at the other end. So I think it's fantastic that families can do that and that you can do that with your kids' friends and your friends' kids and your your family members' kids and all and everyone, anyone really, yeah. <laughs> in your family, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. And that and you made an interesting point, right? And uh, with connecting the face to the voice, right? Yeah. Because even with even with, the, with your uh, with your phone with a phone call, yes, you still have you can still detect tone and and, and those nuances, but there's no really you know other kind of nonverbal communication whereas with the face you can see someone else's complexion and you know their yeah. questions like they can make in response to you know different things of course you know we're we're you know we're slightly smiling here but <laughs> you know sometimes yeah. you know there are other um emotional cues that you know can can occur right you know through these kind of yeah. conversations right and well, so when i send when i send gifts to my nieces and nephews who live in other cities their parents call me on FaceTime and they can open their present while I'm with them. So they know, like I can, I can watch their joy as they open the gift that I sent them and they know who it's from because they can, the child can connect that in the moment. Right. And I love it when I go to their house and they have, they, they, they'll, they'll run to their room and pull out a toy that I bought them or a book that I bought them and they'll come running in 
and they remember that like I'm the one who bought that for them, even though I'm far away. And they, they're able to do that because they saw me on FaceTime while they were opening their present. And that just wasn't, that was something we couldn't do before. So oh, I think, you know, <laughs> wow. You know, that, of course, that, that, that also is, is uh, really an added benefit. And that's, that's really cool, actually, right? That you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like my nephew is now 12, but the younger ones are like three. There's two that are three. There's one that's four. There's one that's five. There's one that's seven. And all those kids, like, although I don't see them that often, they all know me. They know my personality. I know theirs. We know intricate things about each other because we're, we're able to be close, even though we're far. And it's technology that's doing that for us. So it's fantastic. Right. See, there, you know, there you go. We feel a huge benefit of uh, keeping your close connections, right? And even as introverts, right, it, it really facilitates that process, right? Especially like, you know, with these uh, kind of, uh, you know, one-on-one conversation or even small group kind of discussions where it's, you know, we're in, more in our comfort zone rather than say like I've been, you know, I've been on Zoom calls or Skype meetings where there's like 15, 20, 25, like a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're just another, another face in the crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that exactly um, also applies to the classroom, actually. Right. And, you know, I've seen that, you know, especially with the amount of people going to university these days. Right. And in my, in my uh, first and second year, you know, especially in, in undergraduate studies, right, I was routinely, routinely in classes where there were 300 plus students, right, to one yeah. professor, professor. And the ratio is kind of ridiculous. But it uh, is. And then when you move up, you know, to third or fourth year or, or, you know, higher or upper years or, or you go into more specialized programs. You know, I was in a, you know, program where there was only 50 individuals, right, okay. in our entire uh, program or cohort. And that kind of allowed us to make deeper connections because we knew everyone, not, you know, not only by face or by name, but also because there was a lot of group work associated with the program, they're able to interact with everyone a lot. Right. Yeah. And then you, of course, you'll have, you're naturally connect better with some, some people than others. You may be you know, better friends with some people than others. Right. But at the end of the day, at least, at least, you know, everyone's face and name, unlike, you know, <laughs> some <laughs> of the other gigantic classes where you don't know, you know, you know, who, you know, who is there aside from your friends, you know, small, small group of friends. And the also the other benefit is, you know, your professors better as well. Right. You can also make deeper connections with your professors. Absolutely. And that is a huge benefit. Right. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Sorry, I just got uh, <laughs> just just more flashbacks to uh, <laughs> to those gigantic uh, lecture halls and, and those classes where it's just like I'm just one person in a sea of many, right? It's just I don't know. It's just, yeah, and and I think that those I think those situations are really hard for introverts too because you know it's intimidating to be in a group that big, and you might have a question and and. Oh yes, <laughs> you know, it's it's a big leap to to come forward and state your views or ask your questions or or any of that in a group that big for an introvert. It's it's not it's really not. I, I still don't feel comfortable doing that. Like I much rather uh, approach the professor after class or yeah, yeah. office hours or uh, or you know in the case of business networking events, I just approach the speaker afterwards and just yeah. have have a one on one conversation. Just because I'm more comfortable in that environment and there's time or there's an opportunity to go back and forth. Whereas if you're in a and a session, you know, you got one chance to state your question intelligently yeah. and then you have, you know, you're the professor or the speaker, whoever has one answer to give and there's no opportunity to, to go back and forth. But what if you have a follow-up question or whether, you know. Yeah, or you didn't understand the answer. <laughs> like, can you please repeat or whatever, right? Yeah. 
but that that's the thing and that's the beauty of connecting with someone you know afterwards uh, and all and yes although sometimes it may be hard right because especially you see the post talk or post lecture swarm of, of people who yeah. want to talk to individual. <laughs> and that to me is is a little bit suffocating as well it's just like why are there so many people that want to talk yeah. to individual right but at the same time you know i've learned how to be patient and you know in terms of Sometimes, you know, and, and kind of ask myself, is it essential that I talk to this individual at this point in time, in the moment? Or can I just send yeah. it to you afterwards or connect on LinkedIn or whatever yeah. afterwards? Or if it's, you know, really pressing, I have a, a interesting question I want to ask and I'll just patiently wait, right? And, and wait for my turn, my turn essentially uh, to, to speak to this individual. And then usually, you know, we may have, a, you know, a positive interaction. Just I ask my question, they'll answer, and then we go back and forth a little bit, and then you know that's about it. But yeah, but even even then, it's still a little bit intimidating. I right? just see that swarm of people. It's like, yeah, it's it, you know, it's like we're you know fighting for the last pieces of food, right? If we're talking about you know in, in, in an animal colony, right? We see a bunch of food, and then everyone attacks. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so wait until you're the speaker. That'll be an interesting. Oh, oh, that will be different because I'm going to be the one that swarms. And even yeah. we, we were talking about uh, our, you know, our mutual friend Alexander, right, Michael Gibbons. Yeah, and he feels exhausted after a while of you know of, of people swarming him. Absolutely, right? after yes. his talks, right? Yes, because so. it because it takes it, it takes so much of your energy, and you want to do such a great job, right? So you you put all of your energy into your talk, and and you and I can both agree that Alexander is incredibly passionate when he speaks and so yeah then then you've got that afterwards thing where everybody's swarming you and everybody has a question and everyone wants to chat and so you've got to have enough energy left over for the for all of that and oh. and as an introvert that's not always easy right you know especially because you've expended a lot of energy while you're yeah. speaking <laughs> and it's just like how much more energy can i give before i my battery my in my battery drains out it's that's more, right yeah right? well and then you need to and is it i find it quite interesting because as you know whether you're an introvert or an extrovert by that alone is after you've had a lot of interaction do you need to retract or are you fired up and if you're fired up you're an extra extrovert and if you need to retract you're an introvert i remember i actually when i first started to facilitate it was in a massive room and it had one of those walls between that you could fold the wall and make it into two rooms, like pull the wall right, those, out. Those like, kind of like, accordion yeah, walls. Accordion can... walls. Yes, yes, like that. And I was facilitating in one side and my colleague was facilitating in the other side. And you could hear through that accordion wall. And so what would happen is that the classes that we'd be facilitating were anywhere from a week long to four weeks long. And so it was a long process and you'd need to get to know everybody in your class. And so we would be facilitating and over the course of the very first day, I would kind of hear what was going on in his class. He was like, they were all laughing and joking and having a great time. And you, you could just hear the energy like getting higher and higher and higher throughout the day. And then it, it actually that first, I remember the very first class we ever taught, it was a night class. So we were teaching from like 3.30 until 11.30 at night. And then I would be exhausted and just like be done, want to go home. 
And he was like right fired up. Like he just, we would sometimes stay at the office afterwards for a couple hours because he'd want to like debrief everything about the class and tell me all the things that happened and all the funny things that occurred. And, and, And I was so drained and it was interesting to me and I never really understood why does he get more and more and more fired up? And as every day would go by, by the time he got to Friday, he was like bouncing off the walls. And by the time I got the fr- to Friday, I was like dragging my heels. And I didn't understand the difference. And it was because he's a serious extrovert and I was an introvert. And so that was the difference is being around people, the more people, the better for him. That would juice him. That would like energize him. And for me, being around people and and being the facilitator where I needed to facilitate the whole process, that drained my energy. And so by the time I hit Friday, I was really ready to like just retract and reduce, right? So that's really the difference. So when we go back to talking about being a speaker and having everybody swarm you like that, an introverted speaker will be very tired after that and need that capacity to just retract. And, and reflect and have that alone time. Whereas an extroverted speaker, they're the ones who just want to do it again and want to like go out for a beer or a coffee with this whole group of people that's swarming them. Right? So that, that's the difference, I think. Wow. And that, that may, <laughs> and that's one, of course, you know, that, you know, what, one of my other kind of goals is to, is to do, you know, have more speaking opportunities. And that is something that I may or may not want to look forward to, but (laughs) we shall see. Yeah, well, it's even before before you do the speech too, right? Because they know who you are. They've seen your bio. They've seen all the the marketing materials. And you're there in in the space with them. And so even before for an introvert, there's, there's probably an introvert, a lot of introverts need that retraction time even before they have to speak because that's how introverts prepare themselves, right? That's how they energize themselves is by being alone. And so when you're in that space, um, if there's not like a backstage area where you can kind of retract and be on your own, that's draining your energy already before you even get on the stage. Because there's people like audiences coming in and audiences wanting to come over and chat with you because they know you're one of the speakers. So you know, for, an, for a person who's a, an introvert, that's something to think about too, right? You're going you're gonna to need to deal with that energy expansion before you start and then energy to actually do your talk and then the energy afterwards when you have that swarm. So yeah, it's, it's I think for, for most introverts, that's, that's a little bit draining. And I feel drained even listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for an extrovert, that all of that, all of that is just, it, it's, it's energizing them. They get more and more energy from it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's, that's the difference. If you, you know, you, I'm pretty sure most people know, you know, where on the extrovert introvert spectrum they fall under, but in, in you know in the case you don't there's a simple test right you know you spend a lot spend a lot of time with being surrounded with a lot of people and then test yourself or ask yourself do you do i feel more energized after this or do i feel drained and want to go home after yeah, this right? yeah absolutely so, very simple test yeah. fantastic well um I've got to say, you know, you know, thank you once again for uh, coming on to my show. It's been an absolute pleasure, you know, of course, sharing your um, insights from, you know, many years of experience in a lot of different industries, actually. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> and, and it's good, I, you know, and, and it shows, you know, you know, kind of another comment is that it, it shows that, you know, people can, and this goes back to the growth mindset thing in terms of 
yes, you know, people can change careers, right? And yeah. reinvent themselves. That's one of the most important, right? Um, yeah. you know, as the years go by, you know, if you want to try a new thing, identify the end goal that you want to reach and the steps you want to get, you know, take to get there. And then just execute on that. And so, uh, you know, you don't have to be stuck in, in you know, one, one type of career, one type of industry, one type of field. You can, you know, constantly uh, reinvent yourself. But also, you know, more than that, you can also have multiple careers at the same time, right? You can be, you know, a consultant, a speaker, a facilitator, whatever, right? At the same time, you can be, you know, an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, you know, public speaker, whatever, right? You can do yeah. all that at the same time. Right. Absolutely. So you don't have to yeah. puppy hold yourself. Right. Well, and, and I think it also has to do with it, like in addition to growth mindset, I think it also has to do with like where our career trajectory ends, ends up and what we end up trying or doing, I think has a lot to do with just the level of curiosity we have as well. Like I'm exceptionally curious. And so when I see something that interests me, I don't walk past it. I don't turn away from it. I just go, wow, that's really interesting. I want to find out more. And sometimes by doing that, that's led me down a path in my career where I, I didn't think I'd go because I, I'm just simply curious. So I, I have the growth mindset coupled with curiosity that just sort of leads me places sometimes. And, and I love that. I actually love that, that I don't actually know what I'm going to encounter that's going to make me curious and it's going to change things. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, well, there you go. You know, growth mindset coupled with a healthy dose of curiosity. Uh, yep. Lead you to places. <laughs> sure can. Perfect. Sounds good. Now, you know, to wrap this up, uh, to wrap this up, you know, how can, you know, our listeners kind of follow or connect with you? And is there anything that you would personally like to promote, you know, for the time being? Well, listeners can connect with me on LinkedIn. And uh, I don't have anything specific that I want to promote for me. But for the audience, I'd like to have them promote, I'd like to promote for them to, um, to take their baby steps and to try things out that they want to do. Like don't allow your introversion to stop you from doing what you're curious about or what you want to do or what you have a passion for, because it's just little tiny steps at a time, one at a time, and then you, you can get there. Perfect. Now that, that, are, that, that is uh, some very good closing words. So we'll uh, leave her here for today. Thank you for listening. And thank you once again, Nina, for coming on. Thank you so much, Godwin. I had a, I had a blast. Thanks for listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at D-I-G-I-I-N-T-R-O-S-H-O-W. And you can follow me on all social platforms at G-O-D-W-I-N-H-S-C-H-A-N. I appreciate everyone who listens to the show And let's change the world quietly.